And welcome to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM at 3WBC. We're back again for another episode. Can't wait to have your company tonight. We thank all our listeners and everyone who listens to our show. We really appreciate the support we get. And as per usual, I'm joined in the studio by Peter Lausch. Lausch, welcome to VFL Rewind. Thanks, Brad, for having us. Yeah, Lausch is in the house. Um, yeah. did, did, did an intro. Uh, what a week, Lausch. Great week, mate. Massive week. Frank uh, Frankson again playing um, some really good football. We we attended that game after a beautiful country game on Saturday. Had a massive win against Geelong. At one stage, it looked like that could have been a twenty goal result, but um, a young side Frankson, but to win by ten goals, that was a fantastic effort. Can I say congratulations to the Essendon VFLW side, undefeated premiers for 2022. Um, they did the gutsy thing. They played all the best available players, even the AFL list of players. Unfortunately, they had an injury to one of those players who unfortunately will now miss the first um, season of AFLW. But when you're in a grand final, regardless if it's a local, state or national grand final, you play your best side and Essendon did that. Well done to the Essendon Football Club. Fantastic achievement. There was about, they reckon, four, four and a half to 5,000 people there at, at ETU Stadium, which is a fantastic achievement. Uh, it's a great ground for, for finals, and definitely um, the grand final was a perfect spot to have it. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And I actually had a um, long-time listener, first-time contributor, CJ from Williamstown, message me this afternoon and said, hey, Lashley, what with the atmosphere being so electric at North Port Oval, um, uh, on the weekend, would you support the NAB um, league final there? I certainly would. I don't know what AFL Victoria would do, but if you can get three, 4,000 to uh, NAB grand final, Northport would be a great venue. Um, the VFL grand final um, would be great at Northport, but I dare say there'll be questions about um, facilities and um, how do we look after the sponsors. But could you imagine Northport over with, say, 8,000 packed or a lockout situation. For the VFL Grand Final. Yeah, imagine the, the promotional week to say, get your tickets early because this is going to sell out. And they yeah. can confidently say it's going to sell out. Yeah. And people, you know, um, trying to buy tickets for a sold out VFL Grand Final. Fine. It would make it, uh, it'd make the headlines, I think. If yeah. People would, uh, yeah, you might not get the, the same amount of people. But in saying that, I'm not sure what they could do at Northport or ETU Stadium, but they could definitely put some temporary seating up around. They... They did that, CJ will probably remember, they did that um, for the 1998 Grand Final, uh, I think Werribee North Ballarat, they put up some temporary seating, so yeah. not, a, not a bad idea, it just, it just comes down to, I guess, um, it, what they want to do, because yeah. in the past, we've had always had crowds in the VFL Grand Finals of at least 10,000 in the past yeah. past recent time, um, and just on the TAC Cup, or the NAB League Grand Final, it's an interesting one, because... No disrespect to the NAB League teams, but they haven't got a massive supporter base in terms of, um, you know, they've got their family and friends and that, but yeah. it's not like, a, I guess, a standalone club or a v AFL club where they've got a big supporter base. So playing it, I don't know if they've ever played a standalone, because like, they normally used to be before the um, AFL Grand Final back in the 90s and mm -hmm. 2000s, and yep. then they went to before, I think, 2008, they started, or probably earlier than that, they started being before the um, VFL yeah. Grand Final. So... Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, interesting discussion point. Um, yeah. Maybe it's worth trialing. Maybe they one year they just go, okay, we're going to have a standalone NAB League Grand Final and see how how it goes. Or since we're talking about Grand Finals and venues, now this this could actually happen in the VFL, and um, we had a discussion with a person this afternoon about it as well. Say if we go hypothetically a Southport Brisbane, Southport Sydney Grand Final, would it be fair 
to say, okay, um, Southport, you can play that at Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast since you are the highest qualified team. And, um, you know, especially if it was, say, Southport Brisbane Grand Final, um, because we know the old NEFL used to give it to the highest qualifying team. There was a NEFL Grand Final, which the Thunder won in 2015, the Northern Territory Thunder at TIO Stadiums. Would you... How would you see that? What are your thoughts on a VFL what, grand what's final? What's your thoughts? I'll ask your thoughts first. I'm for it because you've got to reward the sides that um, have done the hard work and they've earned their spot. Like, I would find it hot. If I was a Southport official and I was told, um, sorry, Channel, Channel 7 doesn't want to go up there, um, all the cameras are set up at Northport or Icon, um, you need to play this Southport Brisbane preliminary final or semi final in Victoria. I'd be going. Um, well, this is um, this is not uh, rewarding a side for finishing second or first or whatever they may end up. So I'm for it being movable and flexible. It's like the NAB League final. If it was between Greater Western Victoria Rebels and Bendigo Pioneers, I'd say if the highest qualifying side um, is say the Greater Western Greater Western Victorian Rebels, let's play it at Mars Stadium because it is a good stadium. Yeah, it's a fair point, Lashy. I think it will come down to logistics. I yeah. think, I think the VFL will want to have a contract or have have the final series signed to, yeah. to be somewhere, and I think that with the you know the corporate facilities in terms of um, organising a stadium, I think they'll want to have that looked locked in maybe, probably in the next month or so. Um, yeah. I th- that's my opinion, and and I think yeah we could we it's hard to have a crystal ball at the start of September and say well, who's going to play in the grand final yeah. because by that stage they need to have everything locked away you know in terms of what they're doing mm. have their cuz they're going to have to organize catering they're going to have to organize um if they've got the function so i think we could be in a situation where it potentially could be an all interstate grand final if, yeah. if brisbane and southport do make it yeah. um it will be interesting what they do do one positive could be that it will be in the lead up to you know we're getting close to grand final week that brisbane mm-hmm. Um, being in Melbourne, um, you know, they could be here, down here as well for um, the AFL the same weekend. So that mm. that could be a positive, um, I guess, from a Brisbane perspective. But yeah, I think that they'll, I reckon they'll probably play it at Marvel. That's my yeah. opinion. I think yeah. that's, um, I, I thought Icon Park was the place for it. And unfortunately, because they've done the renovations at the moment, it's probably knocked the crowd down the capacity by probably 5,000. So you could potentially probably have 10, 10 to 15. Oh, no, you wouldn't even get 15. Probably 10. Maybe 12. 10 to 12 at, at Icon Park. Um, but if you're talking about that, you may as well just have it at Northport um, yeah. and try and get you know close to eight. I, I would love to see Icon Park finished. And when I say finished, also that old members grandstand redone. You know, repainted, yep. refitted with modern seating, and then it becomes then it becomes a viable VFL venue where you can have twelve to fifteen thousand, and it becomes acceptable for a VFL grand final. Yeah, well, that's well. that's a fair point because once once this renovation is done, I think yeah. they are going to put a grandstand or something there, so there will be something on that outer wing at Icon yeah. Park. I'm not sure exactly what, yeah. but I'm just quickly I do want to mention tonight on the show we've got three special guests. We've got Kim Kershaw, four time BNF winner at Williamstown Footy Club, Cal Searle. Um, Name well-known in the VFL circles. Played at Port Melbourne Footy Club for a while. Now he's at Southport Sharks. And Josh Baxter from Southport Sharks is um, our, our ex-player. Um, VFA, I can't call it a VFA segment this week. But, um, uh, yeah, former grade of a club. Um, so we thought we'd get Southport on and talk to, I guess, give us a bit of an introduction of people in Melbourne who don't know much about Southport, um, how they went in the 
in their history. Yeah, no, that's what the idea is of getting somebody from Southport on so people can understand how the club operates because, let's be honest, they're a pretty successful standalone club. They are. And they are a standalone club because they aren't aligned with an AFL side. So yeah, exactly um, right. I do want to ask one thing though, Laoshi, and um, this was brought to my attention on the weekend that um, no interstate club has been on Channel 7 this, this yep. year yet. Um, so like... We've got how many interstate clubs? We've got seven. Is it yeah. no, no, not seven? Sorry, I retract that. Five. Five, yeah. Five, and none of them have been on TV this year yeah. apparently at all. So, um, I'm not sure if they want to do Channel Seven want to do an interstate game at all. They, I don't know what's going to happen there. But um, when the finals roll around, there is a chance that we could have a week two or week three where it's not interstate VFL final series. If, if Brisbane, say Brisbane finish um, fourth. And Southport finished third or yep. second or third, yeah. and Brisbane lose and Southport lose. They'd both um, be entitled to a home final, which would both be in Brisbane. So it does throw up a, a bit of a curveball in terms of if, if Channel Seven do travel into state, what happens there? So I'd love to. The game between Box Hill and Southport this week would have been a great one for TV. Oh, it would have been perfect. But it's um, a Sunday. That yeah. moved a Saturday. It's on a Saturday, sorry. Yeah. That moved to Sunday. It would have been yeah. The other game, the other game I look at is, and it would keep Robbo happy. It'd finally, get Frankston on TV as well. Um, the Gold Coast Suns, um, Frankston game would have been another one that they could have played. Yeah, if they had, if they were a bit flexible with moving their game times. Um, yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, um, what is the TV game this week? Is it the Sandy Footscray or the the? Um, I'm not too sure. I'm sure some one of our listeners will let us know, but. Yeah. Um, both them teams, I think Sandy, I'm not sure if they've been on this year, but yeah. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see if, if Channel 7 don't want us to travel interstate, that's totally understandable because it costs a lot of money logistically. Yeah. But um, in the back end, I hope they do get it, get some of the interstate teams on because the reason I say that is because you want the fans to know what club they are. If you yeah. get to finals time and they turn on the TV and they go, who's, who's Southport, you know? Yeah. You'd rather them know that Southport are um in the top two, they're a big team. Yep. They've got a strong history in the in the Queensland Football League. Yep. Um, you'd like the listeners to know that. So yep. it'd be good if they could get Southport on well, before the end of the year. Well, even the Sunday game at 105 at Williamstown, I know Williamstown aren't travelling that great, but they just had a win. GWS had a very good win against um, Box Hill. That could have been a game that could have... Uh, and they've got the setup at Williamstown. They've got the little commentator's box yeah. there already set up and... That all the clubs have got the scaffolding set up, yeah. so I'd agree with you. Um, maybe, maybe um, Channel Seven has a reason why they don't have those um, interstate sides on, but yeah, definitely a standalone club like Southport would be one that I would have at least given a couple of games to, couple of, a couple up in Queensland and a couple for the telecast from Melbourne into Queensland um, would have been great. Exactly right. Uh, I just want to go back to the VFLW Grand Final. As we mentioned, uh, the final score was 6-6-42 Essendon. So Southern Saints, uh, they did not score a goal. I would be pretty confident in saying that would almost be one of the very rare times in a Grand Final where a team has not scored. They've, a team has been able to keep another team goalless, which is as a testament to Western Footy Club of how professional and how well they fought out the season from the start to the finish. They were, yeah. in my opinion, the best team all year. I think they held... Uh, Western Bulldogs goal was um, in round one as well in the VFLW. So mm. it's um, it's something that they were able to sustain all year, which is a fantastic achievement. Yeah, yeah. 98 to zero in round one they, they yeah. did. So 
Their first and last game of the year, they held a team goal. So um, it's a pretty amazing start. Yeah, it's just unfortunate for the Southern Saints that it ended up that way. Like they obviously had opportunities there where in the second quarter there was four scoring shots and there was nothing in the third quarter. Then there was three scoring shots in the last quarter. Like, you know, you look at that and, you know, say three out of those seven behinds were goals. You'd say, oh, that was a really good close grand final or something like that. Like, Essendon deserved to win. They were the trendsetters from word go this year. Um, they did the right thing by their supporters by playing the best available side all the way through, even though they knew that there was an AFLW season coming up very shortly. Um, the Southern Saints, they'll learn from that. Um, it's a fair set to make it yeah. from, for a fifth. Yeah, exactly. It's great effort. Uh, one thing I was really happy um, was that... Um, Ebony Nixon got a run in the grand final. She was first emergency, so obviously something's happened there overnight, and uh, she's got in. Unfortunately, she didn't get her second premiership because she's a premiership player at the Box Hill, uh, not Box Hill Hawks, the Hawthorne Footy Club, because they were the Hawthorne Footy Club when they won it in 2018. Um, so she's got at least a one premiership medallion, but um, the Southern Saints, they'll be a team that I think will bounce back, and they'll be back there in... Um, 2023. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just wanted to mention as well from the Essendon Football Club, fantastic to see Alana Barber win the, yep. the best on ground medal. That was a fantastic achievement. Um, she, As she mentioned in her interview, she's uh, training tonight. So <laughs> no no mad Monday, I don't think, for some of the Essendon players. Um, they're straight into their, um, their AFLW season. And Cecilia McIntosh, uh, she announced after the game that was a, she's going out um, as a uh, premiership player as her last game, a bit of a Shane Crawford type situation. We're going out on a high, and uh, yeah, well done to Cecilia yeah. um, to play in the premiership for Essendon. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm, I'm guessing there might even be some of those VFLW girls that were involved with Essendon this year, probably not from the premiership side, but some of them that will. Um, be going to exit meetings at the end of uh, the next couple of weeks and be looking at futures at other clubs. But hopefully the ones that are, that happens to, they get opportunities at other clubs as well because it's a pretty powerful side right now, the Essendon Football Club and the women's. And hopefully the men's aren't too far away. They're, yeah. They've been sort of stuck in a rut for the last decade. Very powerful side at the moment, Essendon. And it's a credit to Brendan Major, <laughs> their senior coach. He... um. In his first year at Essendon um, VFLW, they won the wooden spoon. So yeah. he's he's seen he's been there from the get go, and it's a proud moment for Brendan because, um, you know, he's ridden the whole wave. He's probably had a lot of a say in this um, AFLW program, mm. and congratulations to him. Um, I think it's a, a fantastic achievement um, to to now be <coughs> to now be a premiership play, a premiership coach. Sorry. Yeah, um, I do wonder. I do wonder why he. Uh, is he staying on as a VFLW coach or because he's not the AFLW coach? It's, so. a, it's a very good question. Um, yeah, I so, hope he does. Yeah, hopefully he stays stays on at um, uh, VFL level at Essendon or maybe he's got a job at an AFLW club as an assistant or something because he is definitely AFLW quality. Oh, definitely. He's definitely um, – the way he's been able to, um, I guess, yeah, the way he's got the team up is a fantastic effort. Uh, we're going to go to a break now, though. We're going to be back after the break. Looking forward to having a chat to this man, Kim Kershaw, <coughs> Premiership player for Williamstown and also four-time Premiership BNF winner, which is a fantastic team. Not many are four-time. If you go back through all the history records at um, VFL level, there's not many uh, four-time best and fairest winners at all. I, I can't. I think Frank Johnson might have won four, yep. um, but there's not a lot. No, no, not at VFL or VFA level. So, yeah, he's, he's in a rare group there. Definitely is. Uh, we'll be back after the break. You're listening to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM at 3WBC.
3WBC Football is brought to you with the support of our sponsors. Budget Car and Truck Rental. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Birdies Mini Golf and Sports Bar. L&P Antiques and Collectibles. Aaliyah Framing. Piranha Foods. M&R Davids Constructions. Dragon City Tattoos. Buffalo Sports. And the Blackburn Hotel. Thank you for your ongoing support of 94.1 FM 3WBC and 3WBC Football. What a magnificent game this has been here today at the home of football, the MCG, and the Tigers go forward again to try and get the knockout punch. Punt road in, left half forward, Cotchin, wonderful pickup, hand pass to Martin, Dusty's 30 metres out, oh, and the tough to rerun for a goal! And the Tigers are racing away with this game. Thanks, Rex. So when the final siren sounds, how would you like to be celebrated? Find out more at turbanbrothers.com.au. Turban Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Tobin Brothers Funerals are a 3WBC sponsor. And welcome back to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM at 3WBC. We're at the point of our first special guest of the evening and we're doing things a bit in reverse tonight, actually. Normally we have our VFA legend last, but in this instance, we've got um, the great man first. And the reason is he's on on as our VFA legend, but he's also on to promote an upcoming function from Williamstown Football Club, which I think is an absolute fantastic idea. They're doing a team of the decade, and Kim Shaw will explain it to us a little bit later on um, about that. But he does join us on the line now. Kim Kershaw, four-time best and fairest winner at Williamstown Football Club and also premiership player. Kim, welcome to VFR Rewind, and thanks for taking our call. Oh, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on tonight. Appreciate it. G'day, Kim. Uh, yeah, um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, first question up, I guess, uh, yeah, you were um, you ended up at Williamstown, but before that you were you were an AFL player, or as it was v- known, VFL back then, now AFL. Uh, how did you get from uh, the country Riverina, from from um, Wagga Wagga up to um, the Big Smoky Mole, and how did all that eventuate? Uh, in our days, uh, we were zoned, and we were and the Riverina was zoned to South Melbourne, so we didn't have a great deal of choice. You know, I was fortunate enough to play in a lot of those junior competitions, the Field Cup, and the high schools used to have an Australian competition as well. And through all of that, I had opportunities to go to either Richmond or Hawthorne, but uh, because I was zoned to South Melbourne, I ended up going, going to the, the South Melbourne. He was uh, 1977. So you arrived at the South Melbourne Football Club and uh, a man that you probably would have uh, finished up your career um, there um, was was there in uh, the great Barry Round. Uh, how was it, I guess, when uh, yeah, Barry Round came to Williamstown, you probably would have, I guess, known each other? Well, yes, I was sort of the familiar face for Roundy when he rocked up, apart from Terry Wheeler, of course. Um, but yeah, Roundy and I shared a few stories but from back in the old old days down at South Melbourne and you know, he's become a legend at a few clubs now, Roundy, so he's certainly a great man and a legend of the game. G'day Kim, Lausche speaking. Oh, Lausche, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. This afternoon, I was talking to a few people, um, and they said, "Who you've got? Who have you got on tonight?" I said, "Kim Kershaw," and um, they sent me that famous um, video clip at the Seagulls in back in 1986, um, uh, where you were taunting um, Coburg and Phil Cleary, mate. What a classic! Um, how, how many times does that come up in conversation when you get introduced to people? Every every time we play Coburg at home, it seems to get a mention at the president's lunch. Um, <laughs> so I may, I may become famous one day for my uh, fifteen seconds of fame that day. When it actually came about because I was just sick to death of 
Eddie Maguire talking to Wheels and Rowney. I thought, well, bugger this, someone else has got to get some action here. So I decided to take over, and uh, and it's lasted, it's stuck. <laughs> your, your view, I asked this um, uh, question to a lot of people who played in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Your view on the competition today compared to when you played, um, what are your thoughts? Oh, I, I think, I don't think there's any difference in the toughness of the game. And, you know, they're probably a bit tough because they run a bit quicker nowadays. But the game that we played, you know, there was open and it flowed. And, you know, every now and again you pick up an article or you see something online that, you know, you've one side kicked 25 goals and got beaten by three. So the, from an entertainment perspective, when there's 50 goals kicked in a match, it just seems to be more entertaining for the spectators and certainly playing. It was it was just a fluid, open game and it was it was fantastic with plenty of zest and, and vigour during the game as well. It sure was high scoring in that uh, early 80s, that's for sure. A few of the grand finals had some pretty high scores. Uh, as we mentioned, yeah, you arrived at South Melbourne and you moved over to Richmond Footy Club with FS79 and 80 uh, how was it being at the Tigers when they in the Premiership year? Uh, um, I guess it must have been a pretty special time um, for the Tigers back then. Oh, it was. Um, it was a fantastic time. You know, when I got there in '79, um, in the old days you could you, you could transfer between clubs before the 30th of June, and after about round four or five, I ended up joining uh, the Tigers, and then uh, got my opportunity to play my first game in the start of 1980. Um, and then was didn't play on the day, but certainly was a, a part of the the club winning the premiership by what was it, the staggering eighty three points or something like in that. Kevin Bartlett, Kevin Bartlett went crazy, and I think he kicked a yeah big bag of goals. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, a re- yeah. record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, and kicked twenty one through the three final series or something like that as well. Um, KB was a bit of an enigma of his own. Um, <laughs> didn't train too hard, but. Why do you need to train hard when you've played, what is it, 430 games or whatever it was? 403 games and zero handballs. <laughs> zero handballs, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, part of the reason we got you on, we were lucky enough to, uh, I got in contact with, yeah, Williamstown, and um, you responded and uh, let me know that uh, about the team of the decade. And, um, yeah, if you want to, um, I guess now's, now's a great time to explain, I guess, um, a little bit about the team of the decade, how it come about, um, because I think it's an, one of the, the, the great fundraising or great event um Inceptions of recent time because it's ne- almost never ending. You can do these decade nights every, every year for ten years, and you'll still have a couple left. But um, yeah, how's how's all the planning been for all that? Oh, it's been fantastic. So we've been very fortunate. You know, there were forty six nominees, and we got in touch with all of them, um, and in, and and announced that they became a uh, nominee for the for the team of the decade. Uh, there's there's twenty two, including the coach. Um, in respect to that, we've, in regard to the 22, we've got 17 of the team coming along. Um, obviously, I can't tell you who they are, but <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I can tell you that next Monday. <laughs> but, uh, so it's great that, you know, um, 17 of the 22 are coming along and uh, it'll be a sensational night. I, I believe that the, the sort of bookings are up around about 120 at the moment, which is one of the certainly one of the more successful team of the decades we've had. Um, and I actually don't know how this came about, but I'd, my instinct would tell me that it's something to do with Wheels, because he got a lot of these, a lot of this activity up and running during his time on the board at Williamstown, 
looking at recognising uh, players during a you know a period of time over ten years. Um, so we were fortunate enough to still have some some players from the sixties around, um, and we did the sixties and then seventies, eighties last uh, two years ago, and then obviously we finally got the chance to do the nineteen nineties this weekend. It's going to be a massive night for all the Williamstown fans and, and VFA and football fans in general because these nights are always a celebration, I guess, of um, of that time. And it, and it was a um, very challenging um, decade for the club, wasn't it, in terms of you started the year, it was almost, a, a, you went from high to low, back up to, I guess, a bit of a high. You started 1990s premiers, 1995, the club was almost um, almost folded and almost merged with Williamstown. And then back by 2000, I guess, the club was uh, standing on its own two feet again. Yeah, that's right. Um you know, a real decade of highs and lows. Um, started with Roundy, Roundy coaching his team to a premiership, which, and even that game itself is just a classic, isn't it? Like, to be six goals down at three-quarter time and to storm home and then watch Swanee kick 45 metres, which I <laughs> probably didn't do ever in his life before, but uh, who cares? We won the game. It was fantastic. Um, to, you know, within five years, just being on, on the bones of our backside and Know, potential, potentially polling, and Greg Swan, another Swan, Greg Swan, um, and and some teammates and some people around him really got took to, took to task and made sure that we did we survived and you know we flourished ever since. And so yes, highs and lows, definitely something to remember. Must have been a nice relief yesterday out of Preston, winning your second game for for the year. Um, Brad, Brad and I were out there. We had a bit of a chat to you as well, but I also had a bit of a chat to um, Maury Thurston's, and I said to Maury, I go, Mocco said to him, I go, give us some dirt on Kim Kershaw. He goes, mate, everything I give you would be dirt. Here was a big Friday night on the Baileys. Ah, uh, yes, I, I well, can you have just one glass of Baileys? I don't think you can. Uh, so over over probably two or three hours, I uh, I finished off the bottle of barley. But it was a nice, gentle gentle drink along the way that evening. But it was good. So yes, he, I'll have to make sure that I find some dirt on Mock and give you a call back. Yeah, no, I would, mate. Please, I will be will be at the game on Sunday. So just bail us up if you've got some dirt. We'll uh, mention it on Monday. Um. The club this year, obviously, the results haven't gone um, your way many many times um, in the in the first three three quarters or two thirds of the sea season. I've always said to, and when we've mentioned Williamstown on the radio, the supporters stick fat. Not to, don't worry because it has been a big turnaround. Um, can you can you work out what type of players you might need to recruit in the off season and? what the coaching staff will have to do to get Williamstown, say, back around that top eight area in 2023? Sure. Uh, look, it's, it's, a, it's a few things that we've identified. One is just, you know, we've lost some more mature, bigger-bodied bigger players. Yep. You know, and that's a, that was a consequence of the changes to the salary cap and, yep. and the competitive nature of suburban footy. Mm. Um, and, and we understand that and appreciate that. Um, unfortunately, we had a bit of a bad run with injuries, with a couple coming back in the next few weeks, and those those sort of older, more mature players will certainly, you know, Cousins is one, and you know, Cam Polson, our captain, you know, those sort of guys add a lot of talent and depth to the team. So it's, uh, it's just, and, and the young fellas we got, the young kids, 
a nice league, kids. Some of them are 18, 19. You know, mm. um, they're playing playing really well and certainly developing. And and as as they develop, the side will just come together and stronger. And it's it's not dissimilar to actually my time when I joined Wingstown in back in 1983. Um, you know, we won four games that year, and I wondered what the hell am I doing at this place. And then within two years, we got beaten by six points in a grand final to Sandringham, and a year later we won it. So, you know, things can change really quickly. Um, we're very, very confident that Platy's our coach, and he's doing a fantastic job. He's a real tactician and great educator of young players, and he's doing a great job for us as well. As I mentioned, you moved, you're a foot, Richmond Football Club, moved over to Hawthorne. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were coached by the great Alan Jeans first up. That must have been uh, pretty uh, special now, looking back on it. Different. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah see, Jeans, he had, a, had his own way about how you trained and all that sort of stuff. Um, but certainly, you know, like, what a talented pool of players that um, any coach would love at that point in time, didn't they? They played... And played in eight grand finals in a row, I think it was, during the 80s. It was a pretty, in the 90s. It's a pretty crazy uh, yeah, era. There's some absolute legends coming out in, from that era. And, yeah, you moved to Williamstown Football Club. As I said off the top, you won four BNFs, and, and they were all in a row, correct me if I'm wrong. That's, uh, that's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, they've got a bit lucky, I suppose. You know, <laughs> when you buy the right, buy the right people at the end of the day of the beach, you get a few votes. <laughs> It's a, yeah, I'm not sure if you probably know better than me, but has, has anyone else in Williamstown history ever won four BNFs? Um, it's not something that happens a whole lot. Even through all the team's you know, successful years, the, the BNFs always seem to get handballed around, so it's a pretty amazing um, achievement. Well, yeah, thanks. But I do now share that, um, that sort of um, that honour. And young Ben Jolly, I say young, he's now sort of into his 30s and still playing footy. He's pretty keen. Uh, so, but Ben Ben achieved that a couple of years ago. Um, he's he, and I, at the time, I think Ben was actually he may still be the highest games um, player as well. Um, I think he knocked off Troy West. He did. Sarden. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so you know, Troy um, Ben's you know he's typically just a legend of the club. You know, fantastic bloke, wonderful footballer, and has done. Played some sensational footy at our club. Talk, to get him back one day. Talking, talking about Ben, he's only about eight or nine games away from breaking the VFA games record. Would you at Williamstown, because we've had a word with Ben and we reckon he's getting hard done by at, by the Essendon Football Club and we said to him, you need to be a little bit selfish, Ben. You've played so long, you deserve it. You could have gone to local footy ten years ago. Would Williamstown entertain the thought of bringing Ben Jolly back in 2023? A, the leadership and, B, mm-hmm. and the experience and also to get him across the line because it would be fantastic considering, let's be honest, Ben Jolly is a Williamstown player through and through. The majority of those games, what he's played, the 289, 290, whatever it may be, have been Williamstown games. Would the Williamstown Football Club entertain that? I can answer that two ways for you. Yep. As a board member, I don't get involved in those decisions that the coach, made, yep. coach makes. Yep. Um, at a personal level, what a wonderful achievement that would be if that was ever created. Um, but I, I can't influence that for, for Ben. Um, 
I'm not even sure if he's talking to any of us at the footy club about it. So yeah. we would uh, no, we would love it if he if Essendon didn't give him the opportunity to play on. We'd love it if Ben wanted to play on and, and Williamstown gave him the opportunity because that would just be fantastic, especially if the that record breaking game was at the Williamstown Oval as well. We get a crowd of 10,000 again. Yeah, be, be, be fantastic. Be fantastic. Yeah, that's great you, you share that achievement with uh, Ben Jolly. Two great people, the Wimmerstown Football Club, uh, long-serving long uh, both of you. has been there a very long time. And, uh, yeah, um, I guess uh, final question from me. Um, from your football career, playing career, um, what was your highlight, um, if you look back and reflect on it now? Uh, it's pretty easy. Um, Seagulls in um, Channel 10, 1986. Uh, it's, I'm going to be a bit strange. Um, I was awarded a life membership at Williamstown. Wow. Um, and I, I just felt that that was my greatest footy achievement. It's, it's um, a... Might be a bit unusual. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's... It's, we, so I call Williamstown my football home. Um, I have a few Guernseys. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, Williamstown's my football home, and then to be awarded a life membership, I thought was uh, a real feather in a cap, and that's the that's the primary award that I've received in footy over all these years that I treasure the most. It's a fantastic achievement to be a bestowed life member, and yeah, congratulations on that. And I thought you might have said the premiership, but from a personal level, the life membership. And we have spoken a lot of legends in the past, and. A few others, I, I do ask that question, and a few others have said the life membership because it's, I guess, a reflection on the career of what you've achieved and it all bundled into one. And, um, yeah, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on tonight, Kim. As we mentioned, for any Williamstown supporters or VFL supporters who are listening, the Williamstown team of the decade is on. Um, get your tickets at williamstownfc.com.au. Uh, uh, tickets are $90, um, and it will be a, a very not, a great night, a celebration of 1990s at Williamstown Football Club. Once to get along to, that's for sure. Kim, thank you very much for joining us tonight and uh, reminiscing of it and talking about, uh, yeah, the, the current events at Williamstown Football Club. No, thanks, Brad, and now she's having me on. It's been wonderful. I appreciate your time. No thanks, worries, Kim. Kim. We'll see you on Sunday. Kim, Kim, yeah, Kerr. Kim Kershaw there. Absolute gentleman of the Williamstown yeah, Football Club. Great, great man. Uh, great to reminisce about the, the footy club, and it's great to see him still involved. As um, I think he's director of coaching at Williamstown Football yeah. Club. So, fantastic man, and uh, yeah, can't thank him enough for joining us. Um, our VFA Legend segment was a little bit early tonight, and it's actually um, it's a it's a good way to start the show. Uh, we're going to go to a break now, though. We're going to be back after the break. We're looking forward to chatting this man from the Southport Sharks in Callum Seal. You're listening to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. 3WBC Football is brought to you with the support of our sponsors. Budget Car and Truck Rental. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Birdies Mini Golf and Sports Bar. LP Antiques and Collectibles. Alia Framing. Piranha Foods. MR Davids Constructions. Dragon City Tattoos. Buffalo Sports. And the Blackburn Hotel. Thank you for your ongoing support of 94.1 FM 3WBC and 3WBC Football. Ready, set. For easy, automatic trucks, budget's good to go. One of Australia's largest rental fleets at great rates. All you need is a regular car licence. Book now at budgettrucks.com.au or call 13 27 27. With budget, you're good to go. Budget Rent-A-Car Blackburn is a proud sponsor of 94.1 FM 3W. And welcome back to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM 3WBC. We're at the halfway point of our show, just over halfway, and we've got our second special guest on the line, 
joining us from the Southport Sharks, who are in red hot form at the moment, and uh, he's well known to all the VFL listeners down here in Melbourne. He's had a um, great career um, before he's went up to up north to Queensland with the Port Melbourne Borough, and he's joined the Southport Sharks, and he joins us on the line now, Callum Seal. Callum, welcome to VFL Rewind, and uh, thanks for taking our call. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. G'day, Callum. Lowry speaking. Tell us, um, what got you up to the Southport Sharks, and how does it compare being at a interstate, the one and only interstate standalone club, to say being at Port Melbourne where you were previously? Yep. So made the move uh, at the end of last year. Uh, my partner um, moved to the Gold Coast Suns, yep. um, and so I I moved up as well. And, and there was an opportunity at Southport and. After seeing the facilities and 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 uh, hearing great things about the culture, um, it was an easy decision to to keep playing VFL and, and play up here. And I think it's pretty comparable to to the standalone clubs down in Melbourne. Um, there's certainly a rich history of uh, Queensland footy at, at Southport, and um, yeah, it's been awesome to to learn a bit more about that um, and be a part of another great club. How great, it is, how great is it when your partner is a footballer? Because you also spent, and I, I caught up with you up in Darwin, you also spent the previous summer playing at Waratah and Claudia was at um, St Mary's. There. It always mystified me. Why were you guys at two different clubs? <laughs> uh, it just ended up being, Claudia at the time was playing at the, at the Saints down in Melbourne. Um, they had a, a few girls that went to St Mary's and uh, St Mary's actually said, Weren't, weren't too interested in, in my services and uh, and Waratah made the call and um, yeah very glad to have, to have played there. <laughs> uh, Callum, as you mentioned, uh, yeah arrived at the Southport Sharks. Uh, how have you I guess taken it in? Um, I guess obviously being a Melbourne boy and probably um, a bit like all of us, um, not knowing much about the Southport Sharks history. How have um, how have you I guess seen all that um, in terms of you know um, I guess the facility up there and everything that comes with it. Um, it, it must be pretty amazing compared to some of the, um, I guess, um, I guess situations down here in Melbourne where um, you know the clubs, the clubs, I guess, um, don't have a pokies venue and a big, you know, almost a resort <laughs> and a motel and everything in this one-stop shop. It must be pretty crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a bit of a change from uh, from what I was 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 used to down at down at the borough where it was very much uh, get by and and. Um, and they, they did what they could with money, but obviously Southport, yeah, it's got a really good setup. Um, it's a really well resourced club. Um, yeah, it, it, it certainly it feels like without knowing, it feels like an AFL environment, um, and I think the results are, are showing that on the field, um, which is really good. What is the attraction to Southport? Because we see that there's a lot of former AFL-listed players. Is the club great with sort of um, assisting with the relocation, say the accommodation and, and employment? Or And obviously it's got a great culture because otherwise you wouldn't have, I think, 15 to 18 former AFL-listed players on your list. Yeah, the culture, um, the culture was a massive drawing point for me to come to the club. Um, it, it's, it's kind of player-driven um, and, and yeah, it's just a really good environment for, for guys to, to get the best out of themselves outside of the system. Um, and, and you certainly see that with, with how some of the boys are travelling um, coming off AFL lists. I think the freedom um, that they're allowed at, at Southport, um, yeah, brings the best out of them. So, yeah. 
Now, you've had two fantastic coaches at VFL level. You've had Gary Ayers and you've got SJ up there, Steve Daniel. Um, how, have you, how have you found Steve as a coach and the differences between him and Gary? Yeah, obviously both, both very good coaches and very, very successful coaches. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to have, uh, I think it was four or five years under Gary and um, success just follows that man. So um, it was great to have a few successful years at the borough. Um, and SJ has been, been the same. Obviously, Southport had had a really successful year last year that was cut short, um, and they've just picked that up again. Um, but yeah, I found him to be really, really personable and, and gets gets to know each and every one of his players, um, and, and the players play for him. So um, that's certainly something that's that uh, held us in good stead this year. Uh, Callum, uh, back in the uh, the Southport side, how have you seen your own game this year? Um, from a personal aspect, um, yeah, last game against uh, Frankston Football Club for the Sharks, and um, yeah, you had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, it's been nice to kind of um, it was been a bit of a battle to get to get into the side up there. It's obviously as we discussed, fifteen ex AFL players. It's um, it's a really strong list. Um, so I had to had to being new to the club, had to kind of fight for my spot. Um, but feel like the last couple of weeks I've really um, gotten comfortable within the team and, and, and started playing that footy that I was kind of playing back at Port Melbourne um, in those in those years there. So, um, but yeah, it was great to get a, a big win against Frankston. Um, they've been they've been rolling pretty well and, and obviously had a good result on the weekend. So, um, I think playing playing on the Southport deck and, and when clubs travel. Um, it's one of the bigger decks in the comp, and um, I think we, we play it really well, and um, it definitely suits suits our game plan. As one of our people I know who went up to Southport for an away game, and they, they said they come back, and they, they said they went to the Southport uh, Casino Resort. So it's a one-stop shop up there. It's, it's got everything for any VFL fans who are listening and thinking of going up there. You can stay literally at the motel, and you can walk. What, how far would it be, Cal? Would it, from, if you stayed in a motel at Southport and you... You walk to the ground. How far would you have to walk? Fifty metre kick, I reckon. Yeah, not far. Probably yeah, about a fifty to hundred metres. Wow, so it is that close, it's, gee. Um, set up. Um, sounds like especially for, for footy fans. Yeah, sounds like an amazing setup. Uh, one final thing we do for all the VFL players is we have a a fast five. Um, few few quirky questions. Um, we've got three categories. Um, you can pick one: music, food, or teammates. Just yeah, just pick one of those three. Uh. What was that? Sorry, we didn't hear. Uh, we'll go teammates. Teammates, so. easy. That's that's six in a row. We've, we've done this segment six times. I think for Callum, we, Callum, we can also <laughs> give him an exemption. He can use former teammates with poor players yeah, as well. Yeah, you can use former teammates if you want as well because um, I know you're pretty new at the Sharks. Uh, first question is, who's the most annoying teammate? Annoying. Uh, you can pass as well. You can pass passes up there as well. Just say Dawson. <laughs> we'll go Matt Doran. There we go. Uh, who has the weirdest pre-game habit? Pre-game habit. I haven't noticed too many so far. <laughs> what about uh, the borough? So I might. Down at the borough. Um, Matty Signorello was always one that only got ready for the game about 15 minutes before the bounce. So that was pretty strange. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a unique one. Uh, player you wouldn't want to room with if you when you travel to Melbourne? Uh 
have to say, uh, in a few cases, snoring. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? Sorry, we just cut out. Braden Crosley. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Braden Crosley, he's, he's the big ruckman. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, um, yep. he, he, um, yeah, he's he's a bit of a character. He's got he's got the big moustache. Yeah, he's got a few yeah. uh, Best teammate. Who's who's the best? You know, who's, who's one of the best? Best teammate. Jeez. Um, played with a few. Uh, probably have to go. We'll say Michael Wen from back when he, Melbourne. The big ruckman, big Wendell. Yeah. He was a character. He, he was a good man, <laughs> Wendell, yeah. Cracker's favourite ruckman there. <laughs> and who's the funniest? Favourite. Who's the funniest? Funniest teammate of all time? Uh, funniest teammate of all time. We'll go... Uh, Maxi Peskett down at down at Sharks has been pretty funny this year. Well, there we go. There we go. We always finish up with a bit of fun. So, Cal Searle, thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight. Well, great work on getting back in the side. It's, yeah, it's pretty hard to crack in the Southport side at the moment. Um, fingers crossed uh, you can stay in there and you played played a great game against uh, Frankston, um, 15 disposals, and well done on the great game. And uh, good luck for the rest of the year with the finals. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing us how, how deep Southport can go in the finals. Thanks, Colin. We'll see you on Saturday at Box Hill. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Callum. Callum Seal there, great man. Yeah. Great former Borough player. He's been in the VFL system for for a little while now. And yeah. Great to see. Yeah, he moved up there um, with, with with his... Uh, he moved up there for Love because Love was up there already playing for the Gold Coast Suns. So he's moved up there and, yeah, Southport Sharks, perfect fit. Standalone club. Uh, yeah. Worked out really well for him. Uh, we're going to go to a break now. We're going to be back after the break. Looking forward to this. We've got a Southport guest on who's a former player. We... we, we um. We normally have a, a VFL player, but this time we've got a Southport player on um, just as something different. But before that, I do want to do one thing, and we, we forgot about this, Laoshi. Yeah. We've got a couple of minutes, or so probably got a minute or so. The, with thanks to Piranha Snacks, our VFL Player of the Month. Now, I was going to say, we'll wait until after the interview, but now we can, we, we, we'll do it. We've got a couple of minutes, so okay. we, we, we may as well do it. Would you like to open the batting, or do you want me to open the batting? Oh, well, I've done, I've, no. I mentioned last week, we didn't do our research. I did a bit of research this yeah. week, and I... Uh, Got my we, votes together. We have opened the batting, and it's just sheer coincidence. It's um, uh, going to be a Southpaw player that he's going to be our um, Piranha VFL player of the month for 3WBC. In we did, did a one, two, three. So my third player, third best player for the month was a Werribee player, Tom Gribble. My second best player, and this was a really hard one because they, the top two were occupied by Southport boys, and it was a, really a toss of the coin. Uh, apologies to Jacob Dawson, but you came in at number two, second best VFL player of the month in my book. And Boyd Woodcock is my number one uh, VFL player um, for this month or the month of June, I should say. And, um, you know, we look forward to catching up with Boyd on Saturday at Box Hill. Um, who were your top three? Yeah, so I had uh, Boyd Woodcock number th- three votes. He was absolutely fantastic. 30-plus, and he kicked bags of goals. Oh, not bags. He kicked multiple goals. I think a couple of goals. He also won the Alex Achurio medal yep. um, against Northern Bulance, which I think was a fantastic achievement. Yep. So he gets my um, my three votes. Two votes go to uh, Dawson as well. I thought he um, has had a great season. He, I think he's been in my votes every round. He's been had a, had a phenomenal season. And one go, goes to Ethan Phillips. He's been phenomenal again this month. Uh, so really looking forward to having a chat to uh, to. Uh, uh, chat to our uh, next special guest. Uh, we're going to go to a break now. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to VFL Rewind here at 94.1 FM, 3WBC. 
3 WBC Football is brought to you with the support of our sponsors. Budget Car and Truck Rental. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Birdies Mini Golf and Sports Bar. LP Antiques and Collectibles. Aaliyah Framing. Piranha Foods. MR Davids Constructions. Dragon City Tattoos. Buffalo Sports. And the Blackburn Hotel. Thank you for your ongoing support of 94.1 FM, 3WBC and 3WBC Football. And welcome back to VFR Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. We're at the point of our, our past player, or our, as we call it in Melbourne, when we've got a Melbourne player on the VFA Legends segment. This time we've got a Southport player, which is the first time we've ever done this, and uh, really looking forward to this. Our former Southport player started in Melbourne, so he's got a bit of a Melbourne link, started at the Falcons, moved up to Southport, as a lot of a lot of Melbournians do. It's a very um, enticing thing when you can get up there and have a warm summer. And he joins us on the line now, Josh Baxter. Josh, welcome to VFR Rewind, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. No worries. Good evening, lads. G'day, Josh. Lousy speaking. Um, sorry we kept you waiting. Um, no, that's all right. <laughs> Geelong Falcons, 2011, and then you decided to move up to Queensland. Why was the choice to go interstate and not to a VFL club back then? Um, it was a little bit earlier than 2011, uh-huh. but that's when I decided to make the move. Yep. Um, I was. I did have a little bit of an interview with North Ballarat and a couple of teams over in the Waffle, but... Work just clicked up here in the, on the Gold Coast, and I had a few mates that uh, uh, looked after me and uh, set me up. So um, everything kind of clicked, and it just uh, I haven't looked back since. And how did you find your time at the Southport Footy Club? Because you know we want to sort of draw a picture for Melbourne audiences how the Southport Club is and why there's an attraction from Victorian players, South Australian players to go up there and play part of the, part or the whole of their careers up there. Yeah, well, I can't speak highly enough to the Southport Footy Club. They've looked after me amazing throughout my career. Um, a big part for me was the warmth. Yeah. Uh, the weather up here is amazing. Winter's pretty good. So for the uh, four Victorians down there in the freezing cold, in the mud, <laughs> it's a big draw card for me. Um, but yeah, the, the club itself, it, um, it took me in and I've spent many years there and yeah, I've really become a part of the family, which is, uh, yeah, very good. As we mentioned off the top, yeah, Melbourne boys started down in uh, Geelong with the Falcons. Uh, I guess... I guess you played NAB League or TAC Cup, it was known back then, and you, you joined and they were, they were in the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in the NEFL League um, back then. Uh, how did you find the standard? Uh, was, did, you, did you notice a massive jump from, from um, TAC Cup to, to NEFL? And if you did, um, what, was, what was one of the characteristics that probably was the difference? Yeah, I, I definitely did. I remember our first game against Broadbeach, they'd uh, been training the house down throughout the pre-season and they gave us an almighty touch-up and I just thought, what have I got myself into here? But um, we ended up beating them throughout the rest of the season because they burned themselves out too early. So, And obviously, we were a young side, getting to know each other and play a certain way and it took us a while to gel. So um, there was a big, big step up, but um, we were able to adapt and um, yeah, find our feet pretty soon. 
who've um, some of the Queensland legends been that have coached you up there? Because obviously you arrived there well before SJ did. Um, yeah, um, how did they influence your football career? Well, I actually had a break from Southfield for two years, and I I, uh, I headed over to Labrador, and that's where I met the great man SJ yep. and Fieldy. So I was able to win a couple of flags with them before SJ went to the Suns, and then they both end up joining Southport. So I had a bit of a connection with them already. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, SJ is probably the best coach I've ever had. So, um, yeah, he definitely uh, knows how to get the boys going. What a man. What, 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 what makes you be drawn to, I guess, um, Steve as a coach? I guess he seems like a pretty um, down-to-earth, likeable yeah. guy. Is that what it is that you can, I guess, relate to him a bit? Or? He's a ripper. Yeah, he definitely he relates to the boys and uh, he definitely tells it how it is. I know there's a couple of times I've got a bit ahead of myself and he, um, yeah, he let me have it. But at the same time, he, he lifts you up when you need it. So, um, yeah, along with him, uh, Steve Daniels, Kenny Lapp and Matty Primus, they've got the boys playing some really good footy at the moment. I think they're sitting 10 and 0, uh, 10 and 2, sorry. Yeah, they're absolutely fine. Yeah, second on ladder and um, only a couple of games behind Casey. Um, 2018 Premiership. I did a little bit of research. Um, have to be your most memorable game, wouldn't it? <laughs> Depends on where you're going with this question. Yeah, no, no. Um, obviously a Premiership win, but there would have been a few nerves after half-time when you realised you were the 19th on the ground. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. That'll be brought up uh, when everyone mentions anything to do with my career, I think. <laughs> um, just, uh, yeah, a whole lot of things happened at that moment. Um, but uh, it was a great day for the footy club in uh, winning the Premiership. Not a highlight in a certain time frame for myself, but um, there was a few tears there. Where I thought I lost it for the boys, but uh, thankfully uh, we had a good enough lead and uh, common sense prevailed. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Yeah, common sense prevailed, that's for sure. Uh, just wanted to ask you, what was, I guess, um, I guess playing needful level, what was your probably best achievement or the one you look back fondly on now, I guess, um, when you were up there, um, as, you, as we mentioned, um, 10, was it 11 years ago now since you, you left? Longer, longer, longer. Uh, yeah. uh, longer, sorry, yeah. since you left to go um, from Melbourne. Uh, yeah, what was your biggest achievement you probably look back now on? Well, I always thought that the Southport flag would be the one that we've got away, but we managed to get that, even though I nearly wrecked it. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, um, being inducted to the Southport Hall of Fame is a massive honour, um, and playing state games and that for Queensland were pretty special. But um, it's probably the, the friendships and the bonds of the blokes I'm, I played with, um, that I still connect with, and uh, I reckon I'll be mates with them for life. It's, um, it's a really good footy club, mate. It's, I, I can't speak high enough of it. Now you're playing now. Now that you've retired, do you see yourself as a Queenslander? You're going to stay up there for life because you've got a brother who played down here as well at D La Salle and um, uh, uh, Justin, wasn't it? Is it Justin, yeah, yeah, Justin. yeah, Justin. Um, yeah. And um, do you see yourself staying up there, or um, can you eventually see yourself rejoining the family down in Tarang or in Melbourne? No, I'm starting to recruit them up here. So mum just officially moved up here. So I'll only be heading back to see the family. Officially, Queensland is home. So I tried to get my brother up here for a little while, but his family's growing down there. He's got a little son in Archie, a little poppy now with Sarah, and um, they're, they're, they're very happy down there. So as much as I'd like them to get up here, uh, they're stuck down there. So. Our final question from me, Josh. Uh, so we, can't, we can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh, yeah, reminiscing about the uh, Southport days, the, the era before they joined the, the VFL as it's known now. And I uh, wanted to ask you, I guess, uh, how, how the, now you've stepped away from football as a player, um, going back to the club and getting involved, um, 
how how the I guess the past players network up there um must be a pretty unique one because I guess a lot of the boys are from um from Victoria who played up there so I guess the the link's probably a little bit different I guess because you've all got that common cause of you're all mates because you've tra- I guess travelled interstate so how does it go going back to the club these days? Yeah, well, the boys at the club through um, Mickey Manteet and Jacob Dawson and a few of the board members and that, they've put a, uh, the Club 61 together for all past players. Um, and the club's doing a lot to bring past, present and future players together. So just recently we had uh, a, a, a best past players um, uh, against Sandringham where they put on a day for all the past players and all that. We had over 100 blokes turn up, which yeah. is a, a pretty special thing. So obviously that, uh, it was a heritage round. Boys wore the new heritage jumpers, which represents the Sharks and the Magpies' history, and um, it was just a great day. So the boys are doing a little bit more of that to reconnect with past past players and making them still feel a part of the club, which is awesome. That's fantastic, Josh. Uh, Lash has got one more final question. Um, Football-wise, uh, are you getting yourself into any coaching up on the Gold Coast there, or are you just ha- happy with family life and uh, business life up there? Uh, work's been a bit too flat out for me, mate, and I'm trying to work on my golf game. So I'm just quite happily to sit back and watch the boys play now <laughs> and, and uh, see SJ do his, do his thing. So, um, yeah, I won't say I'll never look into it, but um, I'm happy where I am at the moment. Yeah. Well, Josh, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, great work by the, um, the club up there to get involved with all the past players and get them back at the club. And, uh, yeah, good luck for, you, I guess, a few of your teammates who are still there. Um, hopefully they can you can cheer them on and uh, go all the way maybe in 2022. And thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, it's very exciting times at the club. So good luck, boys, and uh, thanks for having me. Thank thanks, you very Josh. much, Josh. Josh Baxter there former player of the Southport Sharks, and we've got something a little bit different on tonight. Uh, yeah. Talk about Melbourne listeners. Let them, let them know what the Southport's yeah. all about. The Southport's a fantastic club. And can I thank um, Cameron Smith, their media manager, for organising Josh Baxter and Callum Searle today. So thanks, Cameron. And we look forward to seeing you on Saturday at Box Hill, mate. Uh, that's the end of the show of VFR Rebound for tonight. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Leash, as per usual, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. And we'll do it all again next Monday. We'll see you all again next week. Thank you very much to all our listeners. Thank you very much for everyone who are... Uh, was a guest tonight. And yeah, we'll see you all again next week. You've been listening to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC.